Hey, hey, people, what's going on? Welcome to The Word. This is Keenan. We have, like always, a good show today. We're going to break down how to form better habits to be a badass salesperson or grow your business. Because habits, let's face it, are everything. Of course, sitting right next to me, I've got my girl Kiki. Kiki, good afternoon. How are you? We're frozen already. Not a good start. <laughs> Kiki's gone. Oh, my goodness gracious. So then why don't I just jump right in? We won't waste a lot of time. Today, I'm, like, I'm happy to have Terry Lancaster. Terry is the author of Better, Self-Help for the Rest of Us. I love the title. The cover of his book is a trip. It's a big old fat man. And so it is. And no, that's not PC, but I don't give a shit. It's exactly what it is. The big old fat man with, with goggles on his face. Pick up the book. But Terry, welcome, a man. Take experience to tell us all. Where did you get the idea for the book? Who are you? Why do you matter? And why should people listen to the rest of this podcast? Keenan, my brother, thank you for having me on here, man. First of all, the cover, the fat guy on the cover, that's the best $5 I ever spent because I, I bought that stock footage because that's exactly what the book is about. There's this guy and he's not attractive. He's not a model. He doesn't have six pack abs. He is just a fat guy, but he is perfectly content perfectly comfortable in his own skin. He's got a big old grin in his face. He's got his chest buffed out and he's just proud to be who he is working to be better one step at a time. And that's what the book is about. The book is better self-help for the rest of us. Cause you go into the, uh, you go into Barnes and Noble, you go on Amazon. There's a thousand books that are some variation of how to lose a hundred pounds, how to make a million dollars. And they all got models on the cover and everybody's got six packs abs and they're all movie star gorgeous and they all got the the tony robbins chins and the high cheekbones and the people i know don't look like that people i know are struggling you know and and they're just trying to be better so that's what i'm on a mission to do is to help people be exactly who they are only better and if you look like the guy on the cover of the book great good for you just be who you are better all right, so so just to, just to really stir the pot this yeah. Thursday afternoon, are you that like the Donald Trump of motivational speakers and and and, mo and better people? Well, I, first of all, everyone everyone kind of, everyone kind of thinks, or I get lumped into motivational because there's not really a category, but motivation sucks. Motivation is practically useless. Everywhere everyone talks about it, and and there's motivational speakers and the motivational books. But that's to sell more speeches and to sell more books, because the truth is motivation is a depletable asset. There's been research done on it. And the more you use the motiv motivation, the less you have, the, the harder you strain against your willpower, the less your willpower is going to be effective for you. The more you use it, the less you have. And motivation is always going to fail you at the exact moment you need it most, the moment you run out of motivation. So what I'm trying to do is to get people to not rely on willpower, to not rely on motivation, but to start thinking about building better habits. I mean, we're salespeople. We're, we're, we're all salespeople. We're, we're, we're type A personalities. We're gung ho. We're world changers. World changers. We're tree shakers. We, we get out and we make shit happen. I, that, I'm the vice president of making shit happen. We all like to think that we're in charge of our life that our life is a product of the decisions that we make. We've had it bounced into our heads since the first day we picked up, uh, we put on our suit and tie to go sell. You're in charge. Your life is a product of the decisions that you make. But that's a lie. Your life is Ooh. not a product. That you just stepped on some sacred ground for a lot I, of people, I, baby. I, I know I have. Here's the truth, though. Your life is not a product of the decisions you make because most of the time you're running around on autopilot. 
half the time, Harvard University, Daniel Gilbert, psychologist at Harvard University, says at least 50% of the time we're on autopilot. We're cruising around and what's going on inside our head has nothing to do with what's going on outside in the world. Our life is a product of the habits that we create. You don't decide how to drive to work every morning. You don't decide how you're going to tie your shoes every day. You don't decide how you're going to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which side the peanut butter is going to go on, which side the jelly is going to go on. You just do it because that's the way you've always done it. If you're in sales, do you- but do I? I mean, yeah, I decided yeah. I decided this morning to have a bowl of shredded wheat and orange juice, right? As opposed to not eating and coming in. I chose it. That was not autopilot. I remember the conscious decision. So you, you can't. But that that is that only happens about half the time. So good for you for recognizing that that's. But most of the time we go through and we're working on autopilot. Most of the time, and most folks. They're not using the shredded wheat and orange juice. They're, they're shoving a Pop-Tart in their mouth and they're running out the door. And especially salespeople. Okay. Especially salespeople. We're in our cars. We're, yeah. we're in our cars with there's fast food right there. And we got people, you know, we, there's advertising and there's fast food everywhere. And there's McDonald's that are shoving these decisions into our subconscious mind. So what I try to do is to, to, not, to not rely on motivation, to not rely on thinking Okay, I'm going to have the shredded wheat and orange juice this morning, but to make the shredded wheat and the orange juice a habit so that you don't have to make the decision. So you don't have to fight yourself to get to, to get there. Interesting. So what, what, I, what this suggests to me then is awareness is a critical key because I don't know why. And of course, well, I'm sure I do all kinds of, okay, so what's the difference between a mindfulness and awareness? That's you know, the exact same thing, being, being mindful of what's going on, being aware that not running on autopilot, they're exactly the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So why are we on, because before I get into the meat of books and stuff, I really like to set context. I want people to really be rooted in the context of what we're talking about, right? Because I think prescription is useless without context, if you want my yeah. honest opinion. So why do we walk, walk around on, on autopilot? Why don't we or why aren't we more mindful and how do we become more mindful? Well, we walk around on autopilot because we honestly don't have the time or the bandwidth to make all the decisions that we make. Your brain is a computer and it functions just like a computer. And we walk around on bandwidth. Wait, we lost you there. Talk about bandwidth. We lost you. So say it again. We don't have the time or the bandwidth to make all the decisions that we need to make. Our, our brain works like a computer. So that a habit is a subroutine. It's 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 a, a computer program that works in your brain that you that when you're when it's time to make your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you automatically go into the making the peanut butter and jelly sandwich program, and it tells you how to do it. So you can still chat on the phone, you can still talk to your kids, you can still watch TV, you can still do all these other things while you're making your peanut butter and jelly sandwich because your brain knows the routine. That's exactly what a habit is. A habit is a time-saving device, and we run on autopilot to save time. We don't have to think about that, and that leaves room for our brain to do all the stuff that our brain is meant to do. We have these big, bold brains for thinking big ideas and thinking big thoughts and, and, and doing great things. So it frees up our brain to do what we think is more important stuff by shoving everything else to autopilot. But a lot of the stuff sometimes gets shoved to autopilot isn't the stuff that we want on autopilot, the habits aren't exactly the habits that we need to be running on autopilot. So to be mindful, we have to start being aware of what we are doing, aware of what's happening on autopilot and start making conscious decisions 
to change the programming, to rewire our brains. Are you familiar with Art Markman? I'm not. You need to go check him out. Think Better is, he's got a couple books, but Think Better is one. He's got a podcast. Art well. Markman. Art, Art Markman. He's been on the show. Uh, he's been on this show once and then on a Taught Leader series as well. He talks a lot about this. He's a psychologist at Austin, University of Texas, Austin. Okay. Really smart man. So go check him out. I think what he'll do is he'll give you some more research and some, some substantive studies to help support and bolster what you're saying because we had a show where he talked a little bit about this. So, all right. So, all right, everybody, listen, here's the deal. You're on autopilot, which I agree. In my book, not Todd, I talk about it. So we're on autopilot. We don't think enough is what I say. So, yeah. how do we start thinking more? How do we create these, these habits, right, to help us get better? And consider this about sales. Let's do this in sales. What are some of the bad habits people have in sales that prevent them from being good salespeople? Well, sales, uh, the, the one I was just talking about before, salespeople, we're all running, we're all running and gunning. We're, we're, we're hard to go and we don't necessarily stop to take time to take care of ourselves. So that's the first bad habit that salespeople get into is just a complete lack of pers personal wellness. We're all focused on, focused on the work and ignoring maybe some of the other areas of our life, ignoring our personal fitness, ignoring our nutrition, ignoring our mindfulness. We get we get bogged down in the details of work and and what we're going to do and what we're trying to accomplish. And we're not aware of the other areas right. of our life. And we have to make the decisions like you did to eat the shredded wheat. All right. So with that said, as, as someone who's run sales teams and works with a lot of my clients, uh, and this is, I could give a shit if they're healthy or not. Like personally, really? I want them to be, but th personally as man to man, I love you as a brother. I do, yeah. but that I have never seen an instance where someone is taking care of themselves and not taking care of themselves actually affect quota. Right. Really? So yeah, no, oh, I, it's I've affected, seen, it's affected I, mine, I guarantee you. I've seen dudes sitting like the one in your book sitting behind you make quota. And I've seen fit, you know, people not making quota. So what are the three bad habits besides that that are in the day today that I can directly cut tie that folks can cut out that's going to help make quota better? Well, you 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 talk about quota. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna hit some other, some more sacred ground for you. Quota is I, I don't I don't believe in quotas. Oh my gosh! Have, have a seat, Keenan. Sit sit down. I don't oh want to my show goodness! You. Quota is a result. Quota yes, is, an is. End, quota is an end product. Quota is yep. the end of the situation and you have very little control over the end product of the situation. There's a million variables that go into whether you're going to make your quota or not. There's macroeconomics. There's, there's, there's the, there's the product that you're selling. There's a million things that go into quota because that's the end product. What you can control are your actions, what you're doing today, what you're doing right now, how many times you're picking up the phone, how many people you're talking to belly to belly, how much, how much content you're producing to, to get out yes, there. If you're Yes, yes, yes. All yeah. of that is spot on. Okay. But, but as an example, you coming on this show by 11 o'clock was the equivalent of quota. Right. Well, one o'clock your time. Right. So what you did was you focused on the things that made sure you got here and it was a good show. Whatever research you did, you tweeted the shit out of you, did lots of good social stuff, right? Yeah. Yep, but yep. With, without that quota or goal of a one o'clock Eastern on Blab, you yeah. don't show up. So quota is good. Now, because it's like it is the end goal. It's where I want to go. It anchors 
me in all the other decisions I make. How many calls do I have to make? How often do I have to belly up at the table? How many people do I need to talk to? How much research do I need to do? Without that, I can't, I can't get anywhere. Yeah, well, you can get somewhere. Maybe you're not knowing exactly where you're going. And I'm not saying quota is is completely useless. You have to you have to know kind of where you, which direction that you're heading. You have to point yourself toward a goal. But I don't think the quota is the end all, the be all. If you get too caught up in the numbers, you get too caught up in making quota, you get distracted from what actually matters, which is the activity. Manage you can't right. you can't manage results. You have to manage the activity. How many times are you gonna tweet the shit out of that? Okay. No, I okay. I, I'll agree. I'll agree with the the you have to manage the activity, right? Yeah. Uh, but as an individual, not as a manager. I mean, as an, in, as an individual, yeah. As, yeah. as as a manager, you got you got you got the numbers to worry about. And yeah, but if you can start guiding your people toward making the activity, we we reward the end results. The the salesman of the month is who did their best percentage of quota, and yeah. we we reward that. Let's start thinking about rewarding activity. Let's and and if you can find the activity that isn't just spinning the wheels, and and and, and the salespeople are going to fudge the numbers if you. You know, every, every time I've been working for someone and you've got to make so many sales calls, those, those sales calls start getting fudged. The CRM is going to get managed and massaged to get whatever they want. But start thinking in terms of managing activity instead of results to get the actions that you need instead of the hoping for the quota that you need. I like I like. Hmm. All right. Keep, all right. So we are I think we're saying the same thing, kind of. Yeah, because. When it comes to managing the activity, like I can't reward activity. The reason I can't reward activity is any activity that doesn't get me to the end result was wasted activity. Or mm-hmm. not if it's part of a step, I know it's six steps and that's one thing. But right. if I have one activity that's supposed to get me one result and that activity doesn't get me that result, I can't reward for that activity. Yeah. Can't do it. Cause then because yeah. cause okay. Well, it's just it's just a chaotic universe. It's a dynamic system. And one result doesn't always one activity doesn't always lead to one result. It's not usually a one for one situation. You have to make 12 belly to belly phone call, 12 belly to belly persons a day. I had a guy I was talking to a guy the other day and he when he was starting out in sales, he carried seven paper clips in his pocket. And every time he was belly to belly in front of a businessman, he moved he moved one paper clip from his right pocket to his left pocket. When he got all seven paper clips to his left pocket, he went to lunch. So he got he finished lunch. He started the afternoon. He started moving paper clips back. And when he talked to someone, he moved the paper clip back over to his right pocket. When he got his right pocket full again, he was done for the day. Now, on average, he closed two deals a day. He closed one in the morning. He closed one in the afternoon because on average, it took him sales seven calls to close a deal. But every day he didn't close two. Every morning he didn't close one. Some days he closed four. Some days he closed three. Some days he completely flailed out because it happens. You don't know. It's a dynamic system. One for one isn't the way it works. But if you do what you're supposed to do, you're going to start getting what you're supposed to get. Okay. Truth. I'm with you with there. So with that being said, then, how do salespeople get better habits, right? What are the five steps? What you what you're talking about your five step system? Yeah, I've got a habits. five I've got a five step this system for building better habits. And the first step is to start thinking small. We all we all want to double our quota. We all want to make twice as much money, three times as much money. Grant Cardone wants to make ten times as much money. Everybody's 10X, thinking. 10X. Every, everyone's thinking these big big thoughts. I'm going to get my own hashtag hashtag. 
1.1x. I want to be 1.1 times better. I just want to be a little better. So start thinking in terms of small habits. If you're, and, and again, because you're talking about activities, not results. So if you if you start thinking, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to make 10 times as much money. So I've got to work 10 times as hard. I've got to make 10 times as many phone calls. Your brain's going to go, man, screw a bunch of that. I don't want to work 10 times as hard. Our brain our brain is made to optimize our activity. It doesn't want to work that hard. It's going to look for every opportunity to minimize its activity. Your brain's lazy. So when you start saying, uh, you start saying, I'm going to work 10 times as hard, your brain's going to start making excuses. Well, I don't want to work 10 times as hard. It's raining outside. Oh, nobody wants to buy this anyway. You start thinking of excuses. So if you start small and go, all right, I'm going to work 1.1 times as hard. I'm going to make one extra phone call. I'm going to go from eight paper clips in my pocket from seven paper clips in my pocket. I'm gonna make 12 phone calls instead of 11. One extra activity, start small so your brain doesn't start making excuses. So think of one small activity that you can start developing into a habit, one activity that you assume is going to lead to the result that you want and start trying to build the habit on that. Second step, start working, looking at how a habit works. A habit, like I said, is a subroutine in your brain. It's an it's a program. And just like a computer program, it works on logic. If this, then that. If this happens, then that will happen. So the second step of the system is to start looking for the if this alarm, an alarm or a trigger or something that happens every day, happens all the time that you know is going to happen and then start linking the activity that you want to happen to something that already happens. Your, your, your alarm clock is just that. You, uh, you have a, your alarm clock goes off in the morning and your habit is either one, jump up out of bed, get the day started, boom, get out there and get going, or roll over and hit the snooze button. And every time you hit the snooze button, that starts becoming the habit. Every time you jump out of bed, put your feet on the floor and get rolling into the day, that becomes your habit. I started a habit. Um, the habit I'm, one of the habits I'm working on now is I do a plank, a two minute plank every morning when I make my first cup of coffee. I'm addicted to caffeine. You're, you're sucking on the Red Bull over there like crazy. I got the coffee in my hand. We're going crazy. Red Bull, twofer, twofer right there. Everybody's got it. I'm addicted to the caffeine. I know the caffeine is going to happen. So I use my need, my addiction to caffeine as a trigger to make me do my planks every morning while I'm brewing my first cup of coffee. I drop down on the floor and do a two-minute plank. How long have you been the, doing that? I've been doing that uh, about a year ago. I started at one minute, and now now I'm up to two minutes every day. And, uh, okay. uh, and, and how is that? Have you lost weight? Have you? How has that helped you? What's been the results? The re, the result of that is it starts off my day better. I the the the, the strangest result is every day that happens, my my heart gets pumping. My, my, my blood gets flowing. My sinuses get clear. So when I sit down in front of my computer with my cup of coffee, I'm already raring to go. Um, the, 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 the weight loss, I'm, I'm at, I plateaued at a weight loss four years ago. I looked like the guy on the, on the, on the cover of the book. I'm still, a, I'm still a chubby guy, but I've lost, I've lost, <laughs> about, I've lost about 60 pounds because I quit drinking, started running, start, started doing the planks. The plank is just one of the, one of the many things that I'm doing. And it's, it's, the whole the whole purpose of that is to get the blood flowing, to get the sinuses clear, to get the, the oxygen in my brain so that when I sit down and on the computer, I'm good to go. So that's the okay. second step. Find a trigger for your if this, the if then, if this trigger. 
Step three is then that. Just the if this, then that. And that's the small step that you're going to do. Whether it's, do a, whether it's going to do a plank. I've got one guy that I've read his book. And he does, every time he goes to the bathroom to pee, he does a push-up. And he started doing one push-up. And now he's doing two. Now he's doing three. So every, and he, the, the more coffee he drinks, the more he's got to pee, the more push-ups he's got to do. So every time he goes to pee, he does a push-up. Step three is plug in the action that you want to build into a habit after your trigger. If this, then that. And that's just like a computer. Computers are great, though. You tell them if this, then that. They're going to do it a million times over and that's over and over. Program. over again. That's, They're programming. That's basic programming. Yeah. That, Remember that. That's that, a string. If this, then that. Yep. yep. If this, then that. They'll do it a million times. They'll do it as long as they're plugged in. People don't work like that, though. We're not computers. We want, we want to know why. And when we eat all our vegetables, we're going to want a cookie. We want a reward. And, that, and that's, that's what makes a habit a habit. And that's the reward. You ask me what happened when I, when I get the plank, when I, when, when, when I do the plank. The reward is my heart's pumping. My oxygen's going. I get a, a slight sweat going. My, my, my sinus is clear. I can breathe good and clear. That's my reward. And that reward lets go all the dopamine and the serotonin in your brain makes your brain go, wow, what happened there? I like that stuff. What, what, what was that? Let's do that again. And that's what causes the habit, whether you're a junkie or you're doing a plank in the morning, is your brain recognizing the dopamine and serotonin that just got released to it going, I want to do that again. I like that stuff. And the more you reward yourself, the more you get that reward, the more you're going to go out of your way to look for that. And that creates the loop that causes it to be a habit just looking for it to happen again and again and again. So if you, and your brain doesn't know whether you're, you're faking the reward or it's a reward. So if you get up and you, you do a plank or you make your extra sales call or you move one, one paper clip from the other, one pocket to the other pocket, jump up, shout winner, winner, chicken dinner, give yourself a pat on the back, give yourself anything, just a little smile, just like you gave there anything, a smile like that's gonna release the dopamine in your brain. Your brain's gonna go, I like that stuff, do that more stuff. Step five, rinse and repeat. Do it again. You do it again tomorrow, your brain's going to look for it to happen again tomorrow. You do it again tomorrow, the day after, the day after, the day after. Your brain's like a, it's like a dirt road. And the more you go down the same track, the more those ruts are going to be there. And those ruts are easier to follow. The more days that you eat shredded wheat and orange juice in a row, the easier it is for you to eat shredded wheat and orange juice instead of reaching for the Pop-Tarts. So build build those ruts in your brain. How long? How long? Neural pathways. So how how long create a habit? You know that that's there's there's all kinds of talk about that, and we all heard the number is twenty one days. Everyone wants to talk about it takes twenty one days to build a habit. Well, I think that's crap. Uh, there's it could be ten days, it could be one day, it could be sixty days. And the truth is, there's always you're, there's these neural pathways in your brain, but once they're in there, they're always going to be in there, and you, you might find the ruts easier to go down to, but every once in a while you'll slip off the track. I, uh, about two years ago, I quit using commercial toothpaste and started brushing my teeth with homemade tooth powder. I got, uh, I got sea salt, I got baking soda and I dip my toothbrush in it every day. And that's how I brush my teeth. About a month ago, I walk into the bathroom, grab my toothbrush, grab my daughter's toothpaste. And I'm standing there in my hand and I'm, I'm looking at this stuff in my hand. I go, why is this toothpaste in my hand? I haven't used toothpaste in over a year, but that neural pathway is still there. Yes, it's all, it's all the toothpaste. I reached out and yeah, grabbed the book. But, but the flip side is 
you built a new one that right. stopped you from being right. automated. Say, Whoa, what is this? This isn't right. right. It's not mapping up. That, that, was, that was unusual. So whether it's 10 days or 21 days to build a new habit, you're all, there's always the chance you're going to slip. So keep rewarding yourself. Keep trying to build the loop. Keep trying to this build those a, neural pathways. If anybody's curious what their, what their own habit forming timeline is, this is unscientific, but it's pretty good. I don't know about you, but I would, I'm going to go out on some crazy limb and say about 80% of most people don't make their bed in the morning. Yep. There's some people who make it every single morning. Kiki, do you make your bed in the morning, every morning? You do? Do you, Terry? No, I do, I do, I do not. I should. So for all of, so, yes, right? So all of you, like myself, who don't, try this. Make a commitment to make, to make your bed 21 days in a row. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Don't say I'm going to make it every day. Don't do that. Just say I'm going to make my bed 21 days in a row. Write a little chip down so that you see the chips coming. And then circle the day when you start making it without thinking about it. Yeah. And 21 days is pretty close. For me, it was pretty damn close. Yeah. It was pretty damn close. And then after that 21 days, you start making it without thinking about it. And it creates an event that, to break that habit. Right. Yes. Either I got up really, really late and I was running to work and I didn't have the time, like my gut to go make it. But I'm like, I can't. I got to get out of here. Something like that can break it and default you back. That's but if right. you don't you have that. Yes. But five, everybody should do it. You want to see what your time limit is to create a, a simple habit. Commit to making a bed for 21 days and then circle that little shit when you when you start making it without thinking about it. They got the habits informed. It could be at 21. It could be at 19. Whatever. Have you, have, you know, you know, the Seinfeld technique. You heard of this? Yeah. No, but tell me about this because you said Jerry Seinfeld changed your life. Jerry Seinfeld did change my life. He uh, before before the TV show, before Coffee with Cars, he was a stand-up comedian and he was a prolific comedian. He always had new jokes. He always had new material. And the other comedians, especially the younger guys, were like Jerry. How do you always come up with new stuff? And he said, first of all, this is a job. You know, I don't. I can't wait for the muse to strike me. I have to write jokes. I have to make sales calls, whether I feel like it or not. You know, he has to he has to write jokes. Jokes is business. So he uh, he he said, I, I have to write a joke a day. And he wanted it to be a habit that he was going to write a joke a day. So his strategy was to buy one of those big year at a glance calendars mm. and a red Sharpie. And every day he sat down and wrote a joke. He put an X on that day. And the second day he wrote a joke, he put another X. And the third day he wrote a joke, he put another X. Until he had a streak going, and yeah. once you have a streak going, that, you're, that's I mean that that's a reward. That's my we are making theory. See, that's my bed making theory without it, being as cool as Jerry Seinfeld. Exactly, and, and Seinfeld ain't no Keenan either, brother. I'll tell you that. So the the, the, the strategy is to get a streak going because that's the, one of the biggest rewards we've all got is to to check off our to do list to put that big red X on, on the calendar. That that. All kind of happy juice happens when that happens. So once you get a streak going, you'll do almost anything not to break the streak. Break the streak. Yeah. 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 December, yeah. December 1st, 2014, I started running a mile a day. I've ran 522 days in a row as of yesterday. 522 Whoa. days in a row. Every, every day. Almost two years. Every day, rain or shine, hell or high water. I've ran in a blizzard. I've ran on ice. I've ran in the rain. I've ran in lightning. I had to run my ass home fast because it was lightning. But every day, I run. So don't break the streak. So start building. That's that's how you build you know, the habits. The longer the streak, the more intense 
you want to run because the loss is greater. Right? You get to huge. 10 days, I can make that up. You get to 10 days, I can kind of make it up. You get to 500 days, you're like, I can't make this up. It's going to take 18 months to get back to the streak. I, uh, I, I, you know, I thought I was doing something, so I went, and, I went and looked it up. 522 days in a row. I'm all proud. I've ran like this. There's actually a group of people on the web. They have a, a, a website. They have a club that they run a mile a day. And the, and the record, the record holder has been doing it every day for 49 years. <laughs> 49 years he's run every day a mile a day and he said exactly the same thing he said it gets to the point where you'll do stupid stuff you do crazy stuff to keep the streak going because there's no way you're going to give up a 49 year streak he yeah. uh, he was he was on a cruise on a cruise ship in a hurricane running laps around the track on the top of the top of the deck because he had to get his mile in he uh, wow. he had he had he had knee surgery he had knee surgery he scheduled it late at night so he could go in first thing in the morning and get his run in. So he actually he scheduled it first. Here's how he did. He scheduled his, his surgery first thing in the morning. So he got up at three in the morning, ran his mile that day, went to the hospital, had his knee operated on, waited 48 hours till midnight the second day and went extended out. Get it out so he could get his mile in 49 years. Oh. So, so you start you start building a streak. And whatever what, uh, building a streak, and it has to be an action. It can't be it. a it can't be a wish list. It has to be a to do list. So build build your streak on your to do list. Whether it's making an extra phone call, moving it, moving moving the the paperclip over, getting belly to belly in front of one more person, get that streak going, and you'll do anything to keep it going. You know what I like about this? I like this for two reasons. One, one I like it for, for in today's world. I, I talk a lot about. Um, uh, creating content and developing content as part of yep. building a brand you. So whether it's posting a blog post or creating a blog, whether that's, you know, doing uh, a podcast, whether that's about doing a, uh, a pulse article on LinkedIn. And I tell people it's something you have to do for life. You can't start a blog and stop. Like I started a blog in 2009. I can't stop now. Now what's exactly. interesting is I, I used to blog post every day and then yeah. I stopped and I never, I never set out to blog every day. Yep. in the beginning so i went from every day to five to three and now it's like i'd be lucky if i get two in a week but right. what's interesting is had i told myself that i was going to blog every day and i added the streak concept to it it yep. would have changed everything everything yep. because when i did not putting the street concept on it doesn't add a loss element the minute you make it a streak, you realize I have something to lose yeah. besides other things that I can't get back. That's powerful. So everybody listen, really think about that. What streaks do you have in your life? We can make this personal too. I'm going to kiss my spouse every single day when I come home at least a certain way. Or I'm going to give them a compliment every day. Or I'm going to, Absolutely. you know, I'm going to read to my, I'm going to read to my kids every single day until they're 18 or 17. And yeah. the minute you make it a streak, that changes the whole concept. Yeah, and because because once you get three, four, five, 21 days in a row, you're not going to give it up. You're going to fight with everything in your power to keep it going. I mean, I'd have to be dead not to go run today. I mean, I mean, I don't I don't know what could keep me from running today because I'm 522 days in. You know, I can't give that up. That's crazy. You know, it's powerful. You know what it does too? It creates an additional layer of ownership. That's right. Right. Ownership is a powerful thing. When I stopped blogging every day, 
I didn't really feel too bad about it because I built all this momentum. I built the blog was getting accolades. People were reading it. So what I was really focused on was the increase in in our viewers and in, in the rise in its popularity. And I was like, well, I can keep this going without seven posts a day. Yeah. I mean, seven posts a week. Yeah. Had I had that streak thing, knowing I didn't want to break the streak, and I was counting, oh my gosh, 27 or 250 days in a row, there's yeah. no way I would have stopped. This is, this see, is see, you, you, that's, that's the other problem with quotas, is what happens when your quota is too easy? You were excited because you had all these viewers and all, all, all these readers are coming in and I got everything going. So, all right, that's good. I've, I've hit my quota. I can back off. But if you start thinking about the activity, you don't back off just because you hit quota. You can still get more shit done. I like this. So, I, so I, I don't know if, you, if, you do, if you've done this, if you have, share with the team. But I'm going to share with everybody right now. I think everybody, and I'm going to add this to a lot that I do because it's a great learning experience for me. Everybody should have at least one personal in one business streak yeah. in their life at all times. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 I try to keep track of, of my streaks. I got a couple of streaks that the ones that I keep numbers on and uh, the, the, the one that I keep the day on is my 522 run streak. The one I'm, I'm at, at years on is I haven't had a drink in three and a half years. So that's uh, that's my, that's my other, uh, other streak. That's a, keep track that of is, those, so. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Just so everybody knows, that's not a streak I'm going to sign up for anytime soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, all right, but that is, this, this streak thing was just fantastic. I really yeah. dig that. So um, let's move this idea from streak and take it to a little more, oh, we'll call it esoteric, but that's the right word. Um, you're a big fan of mediation, uh, I'm sorry, of meditation. Meditation, yes. Let's talk about that because that's not something you normally hear associated with salespeople. Well, it, you don't hear it associated with salespeople uh, because we're all we're, we're, we're for that. We talked about bad habits for salespeople. The other bad habit is multitasking. We like to do everything. We got a million things going on. We're tweeting. We're blogging. We're we're we're, we're blabbing. We're drinking our Red Bull and our and our coffee, and, and and we still got other emails coming in. We like to multitask, and we think we're getting more done. But the truth is, it's been proven over and over and over and over again that there's no such thing as multitasking. You can't get more things done. You can only distract yourself. Meditation is training for your brain in the same way working out is training for your body. It teaches your brain to be mindful of what what's going on. What's the best description I've heard, ever heard is mindfulness is a, becoming perfectly aware of the present moment. And meditation lets you become more aware of the present moment and let you avoid the distractions that's going on and bouncing around in your head. The excuses, you know, you're going to make another sales call and you go, Oh, last time I talked to the guy, he was kind of a jerk. I don't really want to talk to him again, or he's probably not going to buy anything anyway. And you've got all this stuff going on in your head and meditation teaches you to be aware that the thoughts in your head are just the thoughts in your head. And they don't really have much to do at all with what's going on out here and out here is what matters. The thoughts in your noise. head. Yeah, they, 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 it's, it's just there's so much noise in our head and meditation is learning to recognize the noise. You can't quiet it because your brain is always going to be thinking your brains. There's there's neural pathways everywhere and it's going around. But you can slow them down and you can become aware of them through meditation, through practice. You can become aware of the excess thoughts that are popping in your head, that the excuses, 
the the the, the negative talk, the chatter. The I, I call the guys. He's a top forty disc jockey in your head, and he's and he's always talking on the same trap. You're you're still having a fight with your wife from three days ago, or the guy in the B and W cutting you off on the way to work this morning. You're you're still think you know crafting perfect comebacks for him. You know, in in a bad mood, forty eight hours later. And you learn to recognize that that stuff bouncing in your head is just stuff and you can let it go. And you train yeah. yourself to let it go. So, so Kiki, uh, shame on me. What did, what did our guest last week or two weeks talk? He talked about this. Remember, he said that you know that when someone cutting you in line is freaking you out or making you mad, you're, it was about your comfort. What, what, do you remember what that was about? Um. So our guest last week was, um, what was his Mark name? Mark Two weeks ago. Mark, Mark Schoen. You, you your survival instincts. Yes. Yes, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. You should check him out. What was the name of the book, Kiki? Your survival instinct. Survival instinct. Too, Terry. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Mark Schoen. He talked about your survival instincts and then how our survival instincts respond to discomfort. And because right. society has become more and more comfortable for us, our survival instinct is shrinking, almost always on the search for some level of discomfort. So his idea is it defaults to the lowest common denominator. So if you're living yeah. in a world where you're worried about saber-toothed tigers and you're worried about that, so you really don't care too much about whether or not someone cut in front of you or, or someone said something about you. Exactly. But in today's world, so he you should check that. He, he talks about this idea of when someone cuts us off and freaks us out, that's our, our survival instinct in overdrive and we're not in control. Yeah. And that actually, that's that's one of the biggest health problems in America is because we're on DEFCON four all the time because we get irritated with all this little stuff, and, and that's our flight or fight instinct. And so, and we never have any release because we never fight and we never run. We're just pissed off all the time, and that's that's what's driving inflammation. It drives our stress, and 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 that's what's leading to a lot of the 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 problems that we have personally and with our health is because we're all stressed out because because of our survival instincts, our fight or flight instincts are, are on overdrive and being driven by this little stuff that doesn't matter at all. Meditation teaches you to recognize the stuff that doesn't matter and concentrate on the stuff that does. Just breathe. Just take a deep right, breath. So, so, so I'm not much of a meditator. I've heard a lot of people talk about this. One of my good friends, peers, and um, I call him mentor because he's always smart. We have great conversations. Um, is Anthony Ian Arino. I don't know if you know Anthony. Uh, mm. You should check him out if you don't. Great guy. Uh, and he and I were just talking the other day, and he taught, he meditates. Yeah. And uh, he was talking about a Zen master that has helped him do that. How, how do people meditate? My head goes too fast too often, so I'm having a hard time with it. So well, I mean, uh, first, part, first, first steps first, give yourself a break. Your, your head goes too fast too often, and that's a good thing. But we're going to meditate right now. Just take a breath. All right, this is good. I'm ready. That's all, that you just meditated. There you go. Take a breath. While, while, while you were taking a breath, you weren't thinking about take anything but taking a breath. That was Do good. it again. Do it again. Now you just meditated again. Now, eventually you're going to be doing that and a thought will pop into your head. Well, this is crap. I look like an idiot on my blab sitting here trying to breathe. You know, I mean, it, that didn't bother me. That's funny. Yeah. That didn't bother me. I thought that shouldn't bother me. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Doesn't bother me. See, there See, you go. But, yeah, but you a thought popped in your head and you, you can't drive all the thoughts out because they're always going to be popping in your head. So when you're breathing and a thought pops into your head, go, cool, 
I just had a thought and let it go away. And with the kid, judge don't judge it. Don't, don't, don't judge it. Don't focus on it. Don't obsess with it. Just let it be. Recognize it and let it go away. It's like a little bubble that's going to form. It's going to float up to the top and it'll pop and drift away. But if you focus on it, it's going to grow and more bubbles are going to pop off, off of it. So you focus on it, obsess on it. All of a sudden you're focusing and obsessing on that and the guy in the BMW who cut you off and everything else is going on. If you just recognize it, cool, let it drift away. The kid next door, I, you know, I, I sit out back on my deck and about that time, you know, someone starts building a roof on the house next door or the lawnmower crew comes over with eight lawnmowers and some subatomic leaf blowers, you know, and I'm trying to meditate. I just have to, well, this is the way things are. I'm perfectly aware of the present moment. These people next door, that's just the way things are. Let it be, recognize it and go on. Take the next breath. And that's all meditation is. Just learn, just do that. Uh, the way I do it, I sit on my desk, I count, to, I, I count 100 breaths. I breathe in, I breathe out, that's one. I don't put a timer on it. I just, I just count to 100, and I don't focus on the numbers. I focus on the breath. I focus on, on breathing it in, how I can feel it breathe in. I can feel my chest expanding. I, I can, I can, you can actually feel the oxygen going to some other parts of the body. And the thing you get from that is once you learn to focus on what you want to focus on instead of everything else, you can get a lot more shit done. 25 minutes of concentrated effort, you can get a million times more stuff done than if you just sit around all scatterbox and do it. So learning to focus, learning to get into a flow state where you're concentrating on one activity, doing that thing, getting it done, training your brain lets that happen more regularly, more often, more productively. So you can boost your productivity by meditating, increasing your focus and your flow. That was good. I think we should have the whole, everybody listening, everybody. All right. Take us to, we're going to do this. We're going to have some fun with this, Terry. All right. Everybody all right. listening on iTunes, everybody listening on iTunes. Those are here now, especially Jack Kosakowski. He needs to breathe right now. Really bad. He really needs to breathe. All right. So why don't you take us all <laughs> to a quick, everybody listening, everybody here. I see everybody. Welcome Vidal. Uh, uh, Lori, I see you here. Everybody let's take a quick meditation. Let's see how it works. And then in the, in the comments, tell everybody, Everybody tell us how you felt. All right, take us to it, Terry. All right, just just sit up straight. Put put your shoulders back. Put your uh, put your chin up. Close your eyes. Put your hands down. And just breathe. Breathe in through your nose. Feel your feel the air going into your chest. Breathe out through your mouth. Breathe in through your nose. Breathe out through your mouth. And just concentrate on breathing. Feel the breath. Like the breath is the only thing in the world. And if something else is happening, you're hearing something else, recognize the sound of my voice doesn't even matter. It's, I'm just one of the things happening right now. But the thing you're focusing on is your breath. In and out. In and out feel your shoulders rise like like your head's on a balloon being pulled toward the ceiling when you breathe in your shoulders slump when you breathe out in 
out. All right. How's everybody feel? What does everybody feel? What does everybody feel? Everybody jump and tell us what you feel, if anything. That was good. I know it's coming back and forth. I know it's I had to try to get focused back on my breath. Um, but it was good. You can feel the whole energy of the of the the podcast coming down a little. I know that's yeah, good or bad, because, but... because, well, because it, it took your it took all our energy inside and we're focused on that. But that's training. But once you once you learn to bring your energy down, you learn to bring your energy up. When the camera goes on, it's showtime, baby. And you got to bring your energy back up. And you you learn to focus yourself on what needs to be done right here, right now, and learn to forget everything else. Train your brain just like you train your body, just like you work out like your that. biceps. I like that. Jack is sold. I like that. That's a big deal. Right. Time to crush it. Winning. All right. So you, you have a story about your grandmother. You, you, you said well, your grandmother teaches. Yeah, anybody's grandmother. The thing was, uh, was what what it takes to be in, in sales. And again, we we get so caught up in the numbers, we get so caught up in the activities that we got to do. We get so caught up into plugging into our CRM, into, into into sending our emails that we forget the stuff that we learned in kindergarten. We forget the stuff that our grandmother taught us. You know, the, the, we forget the rules from Roadhouse. You you know the movie Roadhouse? I remember. I don't think I have a sorry. Pat, Pat Patrick Swayze. He's a bouncer. Yep. And he's, yeah. he, he's 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 got all his and he's a Zen bouncer. He's all meditating, doing his Tai Chi. He's 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 got a degree in philosophy. And meanwhile, he's kicking ass and taking names. But he <laughs> he, he tells his, he tells all the other bouncers this is rule number one is be nice, always be nice until it's time to not be nice. But as salespeople. There's never really a time to not be nice. Always be nice. We're in the business of making friends. So the stuff your grandmother taught you, please and thank you and the person's name are the most three powerful words you can ever use. I um, I started this a couple of years ago. I started noticing I was so, so hyped up in my emails that all my emails were looking like this. Someone would send me something to do and I'd go, we'll do. Got it. And everything was just shorthand. I'm running. Got We'll, we'll do. Got it. I'll take care of it. On it. Yep. Done. That's all my emails look like. Most of them had two or three words. I started adding done. Thanks, Tom. And that changed the entire tone of all my emails. Yeah, people were like, thanks, Tom. Please do this. Please and thank you. And always be nice. Do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. That's what sales is. Sales is just the business of making friends. And we think because... We're, we're all on the internet. We're all doing this electronically. You're, you're, you're in Denver. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're in Denver. I'm in Nashville. We don't think making friends is the same because everything's so scattered now, but making friends is making friends, whether they're in Denver or whether it's my next door neighbor, bringing me a casserole, be do the same things. Your grandmother taught you always be nice. Do what you say you're going to do, please. And thank you. Use the person's name. A, a personalized thank you note is the most powerful thing a salesperson can do. You sell something, send someone a personalized thank you note. Send someone a real life birthday card. When's the last time you got a birthday card from somebody that wasn't your mother or your sister? So <laughs> be nice. And that goes a long way because we are in the business of making friends. People want to buy from someone they know, like, and trust. And they're at least going to give you the opportunity if you make friends, if you do the right thing. And that's what grandma said. Do the right thing. Grandma and Spike Jones, Spike Lee, 
Do the right thing. Do the right thing. There you go. There you go. I like that. All right. Grandma did taught you right. Grandma taught you right. My right, southern well, boy. She made some mean biscuits, too. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Now I know why you run a mile every day. That's right. You have to. Southern boy, biscuits and gravy. I got to go run a mile every day. That's good. That's good. I tried running, I tried running a mile about last summer, almost a year ago. I put it on Facebook. I almost yeah. died, dude. I oh, man. Died. The, first time, I, like, the first, time, first time I did it, I couldn't make it to the mailbox, I swear. Oh, it was brutal. Like, man, I, I was going to throw up. I, I mean, I, it was the most painful. I used to run track. I mean, running, yeah. I didn't like running, but I was a good runner. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to ask flat out of shape. And I did it two days and I was like, I'm done. This is just not fun. This is not anything I want to do anymore. <laughs> it, 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 it's more survival instincts. We don't like to run because there's nobody chasing us. If somebody was chasing you, the saber tooth tiger was chasing you, you could run. So you just have to. No, it's funny. Yes. It's funny you said that because it's talking about, we could wrap, you know, sort of go back to this idea of self-awareness and bring it back to that. I realized I never liked running and I was actually really good at it. Like I, um, I joined track uh, in high school because I played football. I love that. And I didn't want to, I couldn't play baseball anymore because I couldn't hit a curveball. Right. And uh, so I was like, I'll, I'll run track to just keep in shape for football season. And, and I only ran it for two years. That's it. Never run track. I'm going to run it for two years. And within two years, I was running at 52, 400 and I didn't practice. I didn't do anything. I keep thinking yeah. if I only practice, I was really, really good at track <laughs> and I didn't practice. The story yeah. of this is I hate it. Like it just, it just, I didn't like it at all. So understanding that awareness and want to get, I, I got to get back in shape. Cardiovascular, I'm a mess. I got to go play basketball because yeah. like you said, no one's chasing me, but I yeah. love the sport of basketball and I have to run to be good at it. So yeah. it makes me get good at running to idea the activity because the goal I want is to play basketball well. Exactly. But the idea of yeah. running for the sake of running does absolutely nothing for me. Nothing yeah. The, the, the thing that I, and I, I play hockey for exactly the same reason. I, I play hockey because I have to go exercise every week. The two times I'm playing hockey, I started running just because I couldn't do it. And it was pissing me <laughs> off. And so I started doing it to, to discipline myself, to learn. And, and the amazing thing is I learned that I can. And that and the, I mean, I haven't I haven't lost. A, I haven't lost a pound since I started running, but I found out I can. And if I can run a mile every day what else can i do i can do any damn thing yeah. i want i can do anything i set my mind to the, the learning that i have the willpower i have the discipline that i have the ability to create the habits learning that more is possible than i ever thought was possible has been the amazing result of that and you know you can get in shape you've done it before you're, you're you you get you got a lean body mass you you, you know you can run yeah it's just a yeah. question of whether you do it or not I didn't know I could. I found out I could, and I'm going to keep on. And I like and, that a lot. And wherever else that leads me, whatever else happens, I know I can do that. And anytime something something pops in my brain and goes, I can't do that. I can't write a best-selling book. I can't appear on podcasting around the country. Well, that's bullshit. I can do anything I want. Yeah, I like that. I, I like the idea of tying that into the idea of streaks. So once you start a streak, you start to realize what you can do as opposed to what you can't do, and that opens the doors and grows on our self-confidence and yeah. gives us sort of the, the, the desire and drive to do more. So I like that a lot. That's good. Well done. Absolutely. All right, with that said, anybody have any – I don't think we have any questions. So if anybody has a question and wants to jump into the seat, jump in uh, quickly, quickly, quickly. Terry, is there anything else that you think people need to know that you want to make sure that as our viewers – move to their next podcast in their in their you know in their chain of podcasts they're sitting in their car or as they're yeah. watching this what do you want them to know 
I want I want them to know that, that, that just that you can do. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but you can do a lot more than you think you can do. And when I first started all this, I had a buddy of mine tell me, well, you should write a book. And at the time, I thought that was impossible. I, I laughed him off. And, and then I said, well, you know what? I am. I'm going to write a book and I'm going to call it How to Lose 100 Pounds and Make a Million Dollars. But first, I got to lose 100 pounds and make a million dollars. I end up writing a book exactly the opposite of that because we lose, we use all these big goals. We use all these big quotas to motivate us to get things done. And what I started concentrating on was just being exactly who I was, only better. Hashtag 1.1x. Be exactly who you are, only better. You can't get where you're going unless you start where you are. So start where you are, pick one small action, something you can do today, something that you can turn into a habit and do again tomorrow, a habit that you can turn into a lifestyle to help create the life you want to lead. Anything's possible. The only way to do it is to do it. Boom. Drop Boom. the mic. Mic drop, baby. Well said. Well said. All right, everybody. Listen, this, this was today's episode of The Word. We had Terry Lancaster. You can find Terry at terrylancaster.com. He is the author of Better, Self-Help for the Rest of Us. He's all about the 1.1x, small incremental growth. For those of you who are math people, you figure that out. If you do 1% better every day, I believe within 28 days, you'll double your performance. You'll be that much better because I think that's how it works, right? I think yeah. 1% doubles after 28 years or something like that. 1% growth a year. So 1% a day, 28 days, you've doubled your output. You've, you've become twice as good. Or if you do 1% a week, then after half a year, you're twice as good. So it compounds people. So Terry, thank you very, very much, my man. Is there any other yeah, place? They can find you on terrylancaster.com. Your book is Better anything? Any other place we need to send them? Nope. Just yeah. TerryLancaster.com has got everything there. Kiki? So I have something um, that I want to share. Terry was so kind. If you buy your copy of Better Self-Help for the Rest of Us, it's in that window right now and in the live chat, um, he's offering a special bonus for today's listeners. So if you buy it today, then you get um, – the 10-day build a streak worksheet, which is great for our conversation today, and a 25% discount coupon towards um, the purchase of the book and an invitation to the private Facebook group listeners. All you have to do is email Terry at word at terrylancaster.net, and all of that's down there. Awesome. Get on it, people. Get on it, get on it, get on it. We love it. All right, and that note, and that note, Terry, thank you very much, man. Love the enthusiasm. Oh, thank you, guys. You were fantastic. Awesome. I appreciate you. You got it, Kiki. You killed it. Thank you very much, sister. And to everybody else, for the word, peace. I'm out.